This is USI Radio Theater, where student and faculty produced stories are delivered in an audio format. From classic recreations to original stories, USI Radio Theater begins now. This is Heroes of the Tri-State, stories of area men during World War II. Benjamin Eddie Newman grew up in Evansville and graduated from Bossy High School in 1943. Before the war, Eddie had never traveled further than Lexington, Kentucky, St. Louis, or Indianapolis. But when he was drafted into the Marines, he saw parts of the world he never dreamed about. This is his story, as he remembered it, Eddie Newman. I was a kid just playing around in the woods. I was 16 when Pearl Harbor happened. That month later on, I was 17, and I thought strongly of going into the service in 42 before I finished my senior year in high school. My grandpa kind of talked me out of that, and then the government changed things that they didn't want you enlisting anymore at that age. They wanted you to finish high school and then the draft would be initiated. So that's what happened uh, in January the 22nd was the day I graduated. As your principal, I have seen each of you grow and turn into fun young men and ladies. Congratulations to each of you seniors at this, your graduation. As you go out in this tough time, and as some of you head off to war, know we are proud of you. (laughs) Can you believe it, Mom? I graduated. (laughs) I wonder when I'm going to get drafted now. Wouldn't it be something if I got my draft notice today? Eddie, can't we just enjoy today? My boy graduated from high school. Let's just celebrate. That notice will get here too soon. I got home and looked, and they were in there the very day I graduated. So I went in then in in the service in April of, of 1943. They assigned me to the San Francisco area. Uh, They built ships there, and they had a penitentiary there for service people. And so I went on guard duty there. Sir, since being drafted, I don't feel like I'm doing anything to help in the war. Sir, I request that I be assigned to a group that is fighting in the war. Newman, do you realize what you are doing? You know what you are asking for? Yes, sir, I do. I wanted in the Marines so I could fight the enemy, not stay stateside. Okay, if that's what you want. The 4th Marine Division will be moving over here to the West Coast. They'll be seeing some action in the Pacific. When they get here, I'll see that you're assigned to them. And, you know, a young kid like that on guard duty with a war going on, that's a little more than you can handle. And uh, I, uh, I didn't care for it at all. So I volunteered for the, to go overseas as a replacement. So anyway, why I was assigned to the 4th Marine Division, so I didn't go overseas. I went to Camp Pendleton and took my, my uh, took training there, because I had no training, combat training or anything like that. I didn't, to have gone overseas would have been a, a stretch, but it happened, it happened. It just didn't happen to me that time. But anyhow, I, I joined them, I guess it must have been in about August or late July. And um, 
We went overseas and... Men, as the commander, I know you're prepared for what lies ahead. The Japs are fighting hard. But I know that you, the 1st Battalion, 23rd Marine Regiment of the 4th Marine Division, is going to show them we are the best there is. We've been on this ship for a while now, and I can tell you what our assignment is. The fighting in the marshals is tough, and as most of you have guessed, that's where we're going. We will unload on the island Quachulin, and there you will face the Japs on the beach. Remember, the enemy does not surrender. We have had to fight them to the death every step along the way. Stick to your leader and remember your training, and you'll make everyone proud. You're dismissed! Joe, I know we've trained a lot, but are you ready for this? Eddie, we don't have a choice. At least I didn't have a choice. You asked to be put in combat. Yeah, I did. It doesn't mean I'm not scared, though. I think I'm going to get my stuff ready and write a letter to home. It's time to go. Over the side of the ship and into the landing craft. Go! Go! Sergeant, we're not being fired on. We were told we would be getting hit when we got on the beach. Yeah, well, that's what we thought. But uh, we'll see them soon enough. We got what we wanted here, the landing strip. So are we going over to that island next? I don't know yet. When we hit the beach, we're heading to the airstrip and get our orders there. I've got the orders, boys, and you won't believe them. We're not going to that island over there. The orders have us heading back to Hawaii. We'll train there, but you can bet everything we'll be back to these islands before this war is over. We went back to Maui. We stayed on Maui, then. that was our home base. We trained there, and we did a lot of amphibious stuff there. In uh, May of 44, we uh, packed up and left Maui went down to the dock and loaded up on the ships down there and went up to Pearl Harbor and pulled in there and docked at Pearl City. And we stayed there at Pearl City for about two weeks. Hey, Joe, can you believe this life? We're only training, not fighting anybody. They're never going to send me to the front. And I'm fine with that. The fighting's heavy over there. Plus, I love these Hawaiian girls. Sarge, what's up? We have our orders. We leave tomorrow. Head to the ship at sunrise. Anyhow, we pulled on out of Pearl Harbor, got out in the ocean, and they told us we were going to Saipan. Uh, when we were on board ship heading for Saipan, there was a radio jeep anchored on the deck right there, and they were always getting Tokyo Rose and getting all the news and everything, and they got the news that they'd landed in Normandy June the 6th. And uh, so then we didn't get to Saipan until the 15th of June. They split us up, uh, A and C Company. Men, you're going to be put into small companies. When we get ashore, stay together. Newman, your ammo man for Erdman. He'll take a Browning automatic rifle. Joe, we uh, wait in the same group, so take care of yourself. You too, Eddie. Watch your backside. Company B, follow me, down the rope ladder and into the landing craft. Looks like we're getting hit hard on the beach. You wanted action, Newman? Now you've got it. 
When that ramp drops, do what we train for. Follow me. I was in B Company, A and C Company. Moved up to what they call the 01 line. That's where they wanted you to be on the first day. And that was about a half mile in. Sergeant, we're at the beach. Get ready. I'm dropping the ramp. Go! 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 Get to the shore. One more grip there. Get moving. Over to the right. Move! Newman, was this what you wanted to sign up for? Maybe I should have stayed guard in the prison. This ain't that bad since we're in the second wave. We've taken some hits. Crane, clapping, and techs are all down. Come on! Let's go! I was in the second wave, and we went in about 200 yards and got out inland. You know what they call it? was a little bitty. Uh, well, the town was Sharon Canoa. But it was a little... This uh, is the town. Head to that park. We'll set up over there. And uh, they had little bridges there and little things and different stuff. Of course, shells were falling all in it and everything all around us and everything. And we kind of kind of just dug in there and... Dig in here! Oh, this place is a swamp. How can we dig a foxhole? There's no dry ground. Just figure it out. Well, orders are to hold here and protect the men coming back from near the 01 line. And, uh, we, uh, the shells were still falling all around, and Marines were coming back all bloodied and everything from up at the 01 line. They'd run into a lot of small arms fire up there. They had a battle going on up there, too, and and they were coming back through, and, and, uh... Man, those guys sure look like they took it hot up there. Hey, soldier! What's going on up there? A lot of small arms fire, machine gun nests, artillery. They got our platoon leader, Lieutenant Blaine. And all those bastards. Perry was a great guy. Just be ready when you go up front. They're in a bunch of caves and pillboxes. You gotta kill them because they won't surrender. Newman, quit talking and get dug in! Erdman, help me dig. Uh, it's not working. It just fills with water again. Sarge, can we move to some dry ground? You have to stay in this park, but you can move around and find some higher ground. They had, there was a little lake there. It was called Lake Susape. And it, there was a cane field around this lake. And the water was up in the lake a little bit. And we got out in the water. Hey, look, there's some sugar cane. Let's get in it. That'll give us some cover when it's dark. Plus, maybe we can make a mat to keep one of us out of the water. And that was our foxhole. We sat in water for two days and two nights. A lot of the mortar shells didn't go off when they hit that lake and that water. You'd just hear them go down in the mud and everything. Of course, a lot of times they'd go off and blow mud and dirt everywhere. And, and you could hear the ones going over, going back to the beach. And there was a lot of them going back to the beach. I spent two nights in that, in that place. And of course, we had to be awfully quiet because there were Japs running all over the place down there. And, and uh, they were mostly observers and, and snipers is what they were. Hey, it's getting dark. One of us needs to try to get some sleep. Eddie, you want the first watch, or do you want me to take it? I'll take it, Erdman. Get some sleep. And be quiet. I'll try, but you know I talk in my sleep. You need to shut up tonight. You say anything, and the Japs will know where we're at. Well, my foxhole buddy that was with me was... Um... He was the B.A.R. man, and I was his ammunition carrier. He had a habit of going to, when he slept at night, having nightmares. And why they ever left him in the Marine Corps, I'll never understand. And, and that's what the doctors said about him when he... And when he had a nightmare, he used to get up and run. 
he, uh, he lost a bayonet one night. He took his bayonet and threw it somewhere and lost that. And, and he went out in the rain one night on Maui and laid out there in the rain till it finally woke him up. And he came back in and got back in his bunk. He was supposed to be sleeping and I was watching. He started, started his nightmare routine. He's always chasing some guy. And he'd say, stop, stop him. him. He's, he's getting away. Erdman, wake up. Wake up, they're talking again. Get him. He's running. Get him. Shut up. Ula, get off of me. You're talking again. Jeff's shooting out your voice. He did this nightmare, and when he did, I just leaped right straight across right on top of him. And I got a hold of his, both of his biceps, and I put my chest right in his face. And I just held him as hard as I could because he was a lot stronger than I was. And the next morning, a sergeant in the back behind us there said, uh, what's going on over there with you guys last night? He says, I almost shot you. And uh, I never told him. I ne we never said anything. We didn't tell him he had a nightmare or anything. We just didn't say anything. But anyway, why? the next day after that, we moved up to the old one line. And that's when my foxhole buddy he couldn't handle it anymore. He, and he suffered till the day he died. Newman, Ehrman's gone. He couldn't take it anymore. Now you're on the BAR, and Chief, you carry his ammo. Well, a lot of things happened on Saipan. Um, our lieutenant, about the sixth day, he got shot through the shoulder. That was a kind of a bad day for us, too. We lost about six or eight more men that day. We went down into this palm grove. When we got in that thing, the Japs were all dug in down there and just waiting for us. Where are we going? Through that field and up that knoll. They're calling it Baker's Knoll. Be careful. There's Japs everywhere. They keep coming back after we get an area clear. Chief, stay up with me. Let's get across that field. Chief, come on. Stay with me. I need that ammo. Chief! Daddy, what's going on over there? Chief's down. I need to find cover. I moved on into that area then, and when I did... I was looking around for something to get behind, and there wasn't much stuff laying around anywhere, but there was this dead... There's a dead cow over there! Get behind! Guys, give him cover! Eddie, come on! Over here! Behind this cow! Where? Eddie, it's me, Judge! Look behind you, a jet! Two more on your right! Eddie, get over here now! Thanks, guys. Damn, Eddie, that was close. We took down four Japs aiming at I didn't think I'd get behind this cow. It's not a cow. <laughs> it's an ox. Take a deep breath. You'll probably volunteer to go back in the open. I think I'll take the stink for now. Eddie, this is Cheever and Son. There was about four Marines behind that that cow. So I went over and I got right at his tail. Right at the, the cow was laying with his legs out like that. And he'd been dead a couple, two, three days because he was pretty swollen and everything. And I got there by his tail. While we were there, man, the Japs opened up on us with a machine gun somewhere, and they, they just literally raked that whole area. And one of the boys shot him right through the cheeks of his behind, and he was bleeding like crazy in there and jumping around, and there was a lieutenant behind that cow up near his head, and a bullet went... I'm hit! Where? Where'd you get shot? They shot me in the head! Lieutenant... Damn it, stop rolling around. Let me take a look. Knock his helmet off and see how bad it is. Lieutenant, you're okay. It just grazed. Oh, you look like a chicken flopping around like that. If 
thought you were a goner. You're all right. He said you didn't get hit. So that lieutenant had a big smile on his face. I remember seeing that, but then I didn't see him anymore. He disappeared. And then this boy was crying back there. He got shot through the rear end and, and everything. And Titter said, Eddie, he says, you bring my belt out and my BAR when you come out of here. And he says, I'm going to carry him out of here. So he picked him up, threw him across his shoulder and carried him out. And I covered him while he was gone. And nothing went on. Guys, I think we'll get some cover. Behind the trees, there's some tanks. They see me. Here they come. There was four tanks with us in this area that were going through there. They were our tanks. And they were firing that 75. If they saw something where there's really something going on, they'd fire that 75. And I waved to that tank a couple of times, and he knew where I was. And, and while I was doing that, about as far as from me... Hey, what's behind that tank? It, it's a Jap in the ground. Helmet come up out of the ground and came right on up. And he was looking that way. And I was at right angles to him. But he was looking the other way, the way we came down. He didn't know I was over there behind that cow. So anyhow, I lined up on him, but I just, all I did was look down the barrel. I didn't, I think I was, this was the first time I fired a shot. And I just was, well, I, I guess it was just, uh, you get a little buck fever or something when you do that. But anyway, I fired at him, but I missed him. I hit in the dirt in front of him. And he went back down in the hole. So I thought, well, this ain't gonna happen again. And what happened was my BAR jammed, too. He comes back up again. Only this time he stuck his rifle up first. And he came up with his head. And I let him come on up. I sighted in on him that time, and I put one right through his head and dropped him. That was the first one I killed. Well, that tank's giving us cover. Let's get out of here. We were pretty well shot up. We didn't have we didn't have very many people at all, so they were using us mainly to fill in at night. If they had a place in a line somewhere that needed filling in, why we'd fill in. And we were the we were the extreme left flank of the whole fourth division. They used to get call us out late in the afternoon and say you gotta fill in over here somewhere. Well that meant you had to hustle over there. Where are you boys going? We were told to come this way and uh Hook up with someone over here. Are you in charge? Not really. Our lieutenant and sergeant were killed. So we, di we didn't have any leadership at all. We pretty much were on our own. And then finally they assigned us a lieutenant, Lieutenant Walker, and he was a nice guy. When he first got there, why, he took off marching down a road one day and <laughs> got there. Us guys had been up here running all over that place all that time and, and the, our guy from headquarters that drove the Jeep, he brought some 10 and one rations up there to us. Well, good night. We'd been eating them little old canned rations and things and, and a cardboard box. It was terrible stuff, you know, to eat. And these 10 and one rations had preserved green beans and peas and corn and, and bread and everything in it. They were in a cardboard box about like that and you had to carry them. So we were carrying those damn boxes of, they'd swiped those from the army, he said, and, and brought them up there to us. And we were just hoping we could get to a spot where we could build a fire that night or something. Lieutenant, these are great. We haven't had anything this good since we got on the island. Just eat them and enjoy. I would say tell the army thanks for them, but they didn't know they were giving them to me when I took them. Well, here's to you for this fine spread. Enjoy them while you got them. We'll have to head out real soon. 
Now this lieutenant was hot-footing it down the road here, you know, and finally a couple of guys in the back said, hey, tell that son of a bitch to slow down back there. We can't go on like this. So he did, he slowed down. And uh, he looked around kind of surprised, you know, and so he, he slowed his gait down. And we went to attack one day and went down this hill. And there's a lot of tree stumps. They just cut the, it was a hill facing the ocean out over the lagoon and everything where, where we landed, where we came into the island. And I guess they suspected at the time, you know, there might be, you know, a, a landing there and that'd be an ideal place for a sniper to be. And they had brush piled up in front of these stumps and it was on the side of a hill and they had this brush piled up on the ocean side of these things. And they sent us down through this. Well, heck, the guys in my outfit, they all got and they started walking down there and they walked right by those damn stumps. You know, I thought, there's something not right here. That, I don't like the looks of them stumps. And so I hung back and they got out in front of me about as far away as from here to that chair over there. And, and uh, as I was coming down there, I was kind of walking kind of slow and watching this stump. Here come a rifle barrel, right? Between two sticks. Guys, in the bushes, fire into the bushes. So I took a real couple of quick steps and turned around and let them have about four rounds in that hole. And they started screaming in there and killed themselves with grenades, finished themselves off with grenades. And of course that lieutenant was one of them that was out in front of me there. That lieutenant looked around, you could have bought all them guys for a quarter. I guarantee you those tree stumps were checked out after that. And we didn't get down that hill very far that day and they called us back. We went back up the hill and got up on the flat up there. Anyhow, uh, this Lieutenant Walker came walking back past and he came over to me and he said, Newman, Newman, bring your BAR and come with me. Bring some ammo. So I grabbed my BAR and jumped on my feet. And he took off walking through the company. We walked through the whole company out in front and down the hill. We went on down the hill and on down. And right at the side of this hill was kind of an outcrop. At, at the bottom, there was a there was a, a brush pile. It wasn't a brush pile, it was brush stacked. And it was pretty high. It was stacked up about that high and thick, very thick. You couldn't see through it. We went down this hill, and it, I mean, it was a steep hill. We climbed down that hill and got down there, and we hit this little patch of flat ground right there. And he walked over there, and there wasn't a thing in front of us. There wasn't a thing. It was a All great... right, Newman, I want you to spray this area with your BAR. We're out in the open here. Don't you think we should get behind something? This is the only place you can get off a clean shot. I need you to rake all around. Well, I'm going to get down on my knees. I can shoot better that way. Go ahead, but just get to shooting. I know there are Japs back in those bushes. Start at one end of it and go down through the whole thing. And start firing. Well, I had every magazine was full. I had three on this side and three on this side and one in the BAL. And there was there were three pockets with two magazines in there, and there was 20 rounds each in each one of those. So I started firing in that brush, and when I emptied a magazine, I pulled it out and stuck it inside my blouse and kept shooting, loaded another one, kept shooting. Well, the first thing you know, they started shooting back. They know we're here. They're shooting back at us. Let's get out of here. Look, they don't know where we are. The shots are all white. Grenade incoming! where that came from. And we weren't behind anything. There wasn't a thing in front of us but dirt. Well, they threw a couple grenades out of there, but I don't think they knew where I was. I got back up and started firing again. Well, wherever anything came over that brush pile, that's where I let it have it. 
and they had these little knee martyrs, they called them. But they were going by. We were so close to them, they couldn't hit us with them because we were too close to them. They'd have hit themselves trying to hit us. I kept on shooting. I don't know how many magazines I used, but uh, I, did, I never let up. I just kept shooting. And first thing you know, I heard a bunch of rustling behind me. And I looked back, and it was three guys from up, up on the hill up there. The lieutenant was behind me. He had his hands on my shoulder and was pointing to me where, where he wanted to fire, where something happened. And I would fire there. Or I would fire where I wanted to fire if I saw something. It was, you know, it was just that way. But I hadn't, he hadn't done, said anything to me for a while. I didn't think anything about it. But when I looked around, he was laying on the ground behind me. He got shot through the face. He uh, was laying on his back, just laying there like that. And, and these three guys up there saw him get hit. So they come running down there and they got a hold of him. I remember this one fellow said to me, he said, keep shooting, kid, keep shooting. So I just kept shooting in that brush and, and they grabbed a hold of him and drug him back up the hill. And there I was by myself again. I always wound up by myself. I, I don't know why I did, but I was always by myself. And there I was down there by myself again. And uh, anyhow, I, a little while later, the sun, sun was getting down. It was getting down and uh, it was time to get the hell out of there. And uh, I, I hated to just turn around and run up there because I couldn't see them back there. I didn't know if they had a trench back there and was laying down in the trench or what was going on. So anyhow, this kid came down there and all he had was a carbine. And he came down and he says, I'm gonna help you get out. Hey soldier, I'll cover you, get out of here. You've got a carbine. That won't cover anybody down here. Get the hell out of here before you get shot. Get up that hill, I'm coming behind you. Don't run. I don't want to get shot in the back. Hey kids, slow down. We're fine. And next day we went down there into that area. And I didn't go back behind the brush, but I was down at the end of it and I looked down there just to see what was going on. There was about four or five of them dead ones laying down there. And uh, there was this Jap sergeant sitting there in front of me. He'd gotten shot through both legs. He couldn't walk. And then there was another dead one that tried to crawl back up into this cave. He died on his way up there. The lieutenant died that night later on. That night he died. And how they hit that lieutenant, I don't know. But he was, he was elevated a little higher than I was, and I guess that's how they saw him. That was two lieutenants we lost. The guys used to come down, you'd see the, the outfits coming down the, out of the hills up there and on the roads and stuff, you'd see them down there and there was, there was always a guy out there on the front fender with his rifle riding shotgun on the front fender on that thing coming down. And I told myself, that's where I'm gonna be when we come down out of the hills. I'm getting on that truck and I'm gonna get on that front fender. And sure enough, when the trucks came up, I ran over there and I got on that truck first thing and I sat on that front fender on the, dry, on the passenger side. I had that BAR stuck right here. I held it up there in the air and we came down that mountain and had my feet on the bumper. And we came down out of the mountains that way. That was always a big thrill to me to ride that thing down. I always wanted to do that. 
Look, boys. <laughs> I'm riding in luxury. No walking for me. That's kind of called riding shotgun. You hear so much about friendly fire and stuff like that and guys getting hurt and everything. And it's true. There was, there was every, any number of incidents in my company that happened that one guy shot another one. One guy killed one of our guys one night. It was an accident. And, uh, you know, some guys are jumpy, awful jumpy, jumpy at anything. They're jumpy in broad daylight and they're extra jumpy at night, you know, and they just, they're dangerous. And some guys just freeze up at the slightest thing that happens and they don't always have their weapon on safe. You know, they're not waiting for something to happen and take it off safe, put it on, you know, firing position. They, we took, we went off the side of this road and they wanted us to go down the hill in single file. Well, I was leading the thing. So I went down the hill first and this boy behind me and there was another fellow behind him. Well, the third guy in the line, he was one of these freeze up guys. Well, I got down that hill about 20 yards, I guess, and there was an old wagon down there that somebody rolled down the hill and it hit a tree and turned over. And there was trees all around, around us. You had to look at, look in the trees and look where you stepped and everywhere because you didn't know what you were running into and it was a real steep hill. Well, anyhow, shot. Guys, guys, stay behind me, but keep an eye out. There's Japs everywhere. Watch your footing. It's steep. Get down, everyone! Where'd the shot come from? Is there a Jap in the tree we passed? I, I got hit in the leg. Get him quieted down. I shot him. I didn't mean to. I froze and I fired a shot. I hit him. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me see. You'll be fine. Here comes some help. Hey, guys. Guys, down here. We have a man down. Uh, James, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to do that. Uh, man, are you okay? For some reason, why, I don't know and squeezed around off in his B.A.R. and shot this, shot his own man right. And they were real good buddies. They played guitars and sang together and all that kind of stuff. Shot his own man right in the back of the leg. Men, great job. We've cleared this island. It's time to move out of here. We'll head down the beach where they unloaded our sea bags. But then when we left Saipan, when we came down out of the hills, we went back to an area where our sea bags were. They unloaded all our sea bags and put them on the island. So I went over and picked out my sea bag and worked a combination and got in it. I got some clean clothes and stuff out of there because all the clothes they brought up there, it was the biggest clothes you ever saw and I wouldn't wear them. I couldn't wear them. I couldn't wear all that stuff and keep the pants up and everything else and all that kind of stuff. So I, I just kept my old clothes on. Well, both cheeks of my ass were hanging out and both knees were out. The, the bottom part of the legs were ready to fall off. My jacket was ripped all the way down here. Those jackets, all in blouses, ripped up there in the shoulder first anyhow. And dirty, filthy, never been washed. I'd never shaved for 37 days. We didn't get anything for 37 days. Got some clean socks and my feet were terrible. My feet were nearly rotted off. And I got a shower and greased my feet all up wrapped them and bandaged them and then he said take these bandages off in two days don't leave them on any longer in two days well we had to spend that night we were going to spend that night down on an lst and then the next morning we were going to go down and get in the amp tracks and come out of the lst and head for tinian sarge what's tinian like it's another island surrounded by a bunch of rocks we'll be going in on tanks 
They're going to fake a landing near Tinian Town. We'll come in on the other side, but the Japs will fight like they did on Saipan. Joe. Joe. Matt, I'm glad you're on this ship. We're paired up on this island. That makes me feel better. I wasn't sure I'd see you again. More than once, I thought I was a dead man. Man, man, let's go over. Come on, over the side. Coxswain, are we ready? Yeah, it doesn't look too bad. The Japs bought our fake to the other side of the island. That's where all the shelling is. We just have to go between those two breaks to get to the beach. This should be an easy landing. Let's get this thing moving. We've got to get to the beach. Damn it, the engine died. Oh, Lord, it's not restarting. Call the ship. Ask for help. This is A241. Our engine died. We're dead in the water and drifting. My amphibious tractor broke down in the ocean coming in, going to Tinian. And we floated around out there in that ocean till 4 o'clock that afternoon. And uh, finally, an army duck came by. And he picked us up and took us in. And we got out of the Amtrak, or out of the duck. And I told the guys, I said, why don't we just spend the night down here on the beach and in the morning we'll go up there and look for the company because we had no idea where they were. There was no briefing or anything when we went to Tinian. So we, I had no idea where they were. So we stayed down there in the rocks that night. And then the next morning we went up and started looking for the company. Let's move out. Let's move out and find, find our company. Any idea where we're going? No, not since we spent so much time in the ocean. We'll just go and find our guys. Come on. Right, let's get across this cane field and head up there. Get down, get down, get down. Find where that shooting came from. And a Jap opened up with a machine gun back in that cane field. One of them had come down there and brought a machine gun down there, and he sat down there and opened up on it. Well, I mean, he was, he was raking the ground about that high. And there was a great big old rock over there and I, I got behind I was pretty close to that rock so I got behind that rock well it wasn't any time until there must have been six guys jumped behind that rock and I was kept getting higher and higher all the time getting rooted out guys I had this rock first you're pushing me out from behind it hold on here comes the tank Okay, man, let's go, but keep an eye on the cane. If anything moves, open up on it. Boys, let's get down that valley while we still get a chance. We finally have our orders. We're to move out of this airfield and move over to Tinian Town. That means we have to go up over those hills and they're full of Japs and pillboxes. We'll have some tanks to support us, but watch out, it'll be hot. Joe, move to the right. You take out that pillbox and the machine guns in there. The rest follow me. We'll take this one on the left. Eddie, how do you want to take that thing? Now let's wait for the tanks to take them out. They're right behind us. I think that took them out. I don't see any movement in there. Joe, I'll go around to the left. You take the right. Joe! Joe, there's a Jap in there! He's coming your way! Throw in one of your grenades! I'm hit! Joe! I'm in the leg! Joe! Joe! Medic! I'm hit! Soldier, where are you? I'm over here in the hole! 
check the other side. Joe is there. He threw in a grenade. He's over here. There's nothing we can do. Stay down and let me take a look at your leg. We're going to need to get this looked at. I'll wrap it and then down the hill as a jeep. We'll get you in there. Dang, Joe. I'm sorry. There's a jeep down there waiting with stretchers and stuff on it. So I, I sat in the front seat of the jeep. I got in the jeep and sat in the front seat. And they had two or three boys in my company that gotten run. We started running into stuff when we got into that. The guy that I spent most of my time in the foxholes with on Saipan lost an eye that day. Joe, who was with me, was killed. Tex was hit, shot through both legs. Machine gun got him through both legs. Fleer, the other boy, that's in my squad, spotted a Japanese bar jam, and he got down on his knee to work on his bar, and he was down like this, and that Jap shot at him, and the bullet went through his helmet. Soldier, you okay? Where are we? You're on a hospital ship. We're taking care of you. You should be okay. We should be able to save your leg. What? What are they going to do with me? Am I going into surgery? Not right now. The doctor said for right now we need you to just take some more sulfur drug. And then in Honolulu at the dock there, they took me off. They had to take me off on a stretcher then. Put me in an ambulance and took me up to Aia Heights Hospital, Naval Hospital there, and they operated on it right away. And got the shrapnel and everything out. When I woke up the next morning, there was Tex in the bunk next to me. He, I didn't know he'd gotten hit. He got hit through both legs. What happened was Joe got the Congressional Medal of Honor. When Joe went up there with that grenade in his hand, he wound up falling on that grenade. That was the end of the war for me. But uh, anyhow, my company, my division went on to Iwo Jima after that. I was finally discharged December the 2nd. After his return to the States, Eddie Newman had to battle through his injuries and through what today is called post-traumatic syndrome. After his discharge, Eddie Newman returned to Evansville with his wife, Dorothy, where they raised a family, and Eddie became a master plumber, a career he enjoyed until his retirement. Eddie Newman, a tri-state hero from World War II. Heroes of the Tri-State, Stories of Area Men During the World War II, was paid for by a grant from the University of Southern Indiana College of Liberal Arts. The part of Eddie Newman was played by Kyle Rupert. The other actors in today's presentation were Jeremy Brailsford, Brandon Eck, Erica Becker, Jeff Dumont, Mick Jost, Joanna Morris, Brock Valick, James Wilhide, and Doug Hubble. And I'm John Morris, producer of Heroes of the Tri-State. Thank you for listening to USI Radio Theater. You can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud or find us at 957thespin.com. Tune in next time for more USI Radio Theater.